Sound the alarm. We've got Fire Chief Adam Eckhart on the program today. Chief Eckhart leads a group of full-time and volunteer firefighters that keep our city safe. And as you'll find out in today's episode, not just from fires. As the city of Welland grows, so too must its service levels. The Welland Fire Department has several big changes on the horizon, all of them aimed at providing greater safety and service to the community. So whether you just like seeing the trucks cruise by, have a question about home escape plans, or need some help getting prepared for an emergency, the fire department's there for you. With our smoke detectors tested and stoves turned off after cooking, let's find out with Fire Chief Adam Eckhart. What's up, Welland? Today we are joined by Fire Chief Adam Eckhart. Adam, welcome to What's Up Welland. Right on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So it's inevitable that we are going to talk fire safety with someone who lives it every day. And I know there are so many topics we can cover, but let's focus or let's narrow our focus to home smoke alarms and carbon dioxide alarms. You've got the rapt attention of our audience. What do they need to know? They need to know that they need to have working smoke alarms and carbon monoxide alarms on every level of the home outside the sleeping areas. Smoke alarms save lives. Simple as that. Simple as that. I like it. Short, sweet, and to the point. So outside... Okay, sorry. Repeat that one more time. Outside every sleeping area of the home on every level. Okay, so if I've got a bedroom in the basement, alarm. Right on. Yeah, right and on. you want the, the alarm to be situated in an area where the air current or potentially smoke would access it. You know, So there's instructions on where by the ceiling or edge of walls. But you also want to position it so it would actually wake people so it'd be heard throughout the building right and so this would be kind of like your best first line of defense is making sure that you've got working smoke and co2 alarms absolutely so working smoke and carbon monoxide or co alarms uh, are vital to early notification early detection in the building It, it works twofold so it alerts the occupants and then the occupants can get out of the building but that early notification allows their escape. It also allows an earlier notification of the fire department. Fires double approximately every one minute that they go unchecked. Wow. So as you know, as you think that that response time, the the fire growth time, by the time you know that fire starts to consume materials or combustibles in the building and starts to spread throughout the building, it becomes a very serious threat. Considering how well insulated and you know enveloped the buildings are now, a lot of that smoke and superheated gas stays in the building and. It's not necessarily the flame or the fire itself that poses the risk to the occupants. It literally is that off gas, the the smoke and the superheated gases in the structure. For people to make sure that their uh, alarms and detectors are working well and as operational as they need to be, what do they need to know or what's, what's a tip for them? Yeah, so follow the battery change cycle, uh, you know, appropriately. Some of them, uh, you know, if you if you're not necessarily the most uh, um, accessible to your smoke alarms, you can get some of those ten year battery ones. Uh, you know, when you're vacuuming monthly, you want to you know use the quick dusting wand over it, and make sure it's accessible. It's a great idea to get a can of artificial smoke and run some of those fire drills. I know some of us run the same fire drills in the kitchen smoke alarm, you know, hmm. uh, or outside the shower. But there's different uh, devices that you can get for those areas too that are less sensitive to you know some of the steam and cooking byproducts so uh, you know from a maintenance piece make sure the batteries are working if they're connected uh, electronically to one another that the circuit breaker is on and functioning uh, and and really just a little bit of cleaning and maintenance uh, if you are painting or uh, using heavy uh, scented cleaners or adhesives in the building you, you may want to take them to fresh air uh, just to protect the sensor life but be sure to install them uh, before you go to sleep that night good to know um, so it sounds like 
having working alarms could create some success in either preventing uh, a fire or a situation from either getting out of control or possibly even uh, or even starting in the first place. Can you give us any kind of success stories that that you know of or have uh, heard of maybe recently or not so recently just about, you know, that whole kind of fire safety piece and, you know, maybe something that could have been a lot worse than it was, but because of steps that were taken or, you know, properly functioning equipment uh, that was avoidable? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a couple pieces to that. One, I appreciate us focusing on the positive news. You know, they do make a difference. Here's the successes. Here's the people who benefited from it. Uh, and the other piece of that question is looking at the system. So, you know, kind of proving that the science, early notification, early detection, early escape. Uh, I can reflect back to a, a fire we responded to just off Niagara Street in the city's core a couple of years ago, a young family, two young children at home, uh, and, and they had uh, disposed of some wood ash. And potentially that wood ash uh, had a hot ember in it. Maybe a you know, dog or wind uh, knocked it over and, and started a fire. The fire migrated into the structure and the... Uh, uh, husband of the home had recently replaced the smoke alarms, upgraded those interconnected. The smoke alarms activated. They were able to exit outside. And the family carrying their young children were describing, you know, the superheated gases traveling up the stairs. Uh, so they're actually walking down the stairs, you know, hunkered down low, uh, you know, escaping the, the perils of that smoke, uh, all because they, you know, they, they were diligent and replaced those smoke alarms uh, just a couple weeks before that. So uh, that's one of the most memorable ones for me, uh, you know, meeting that young family and and seeing those young children and you know fortunately the the dogs followed them out and you know it's a good news story that way you know unfortunately there was property damage to the structure but uh you know as we all said that night uh you know at, at midnight while you're standing there uh you know addressing this emergency you know for this family the good news is is the family uh you know including the furry ones were all out safely and meeting us on the sidewalk so yeah. Uh, th those are some of the more memorable ones. Uh, as it relates to carbon monoxide alarms, we had a, another great success story in one of our home smoke alarm uh, programs. We, you know, we visit door to door and we, you know, we chat up the t homeowners and we come in and we test some of your alarms and stuff. And one of our uh, fire captains made a recommendation to put a carbon monoxide alarm in an area where it wasn't required. And, and just kind of in passing said it would be ideal to be here. You're not obligated, but it's my recommendation. And about three and a half months later, uh, the family wasn't, uh, the, the wife, the, the lady of the home uh, wasn't feeling well. She went to sleep. Uh, the, you know, the husband was unsettled. And uh, as he was walking through the you know, top of the stairs, he, he could hear a beeping from the basement. And sure enough, it was a carbon monoxide detector. And uh, both of them had been exposed to carbon monoxide. That alarm alerted them. They had already felt symptomatic, tired, mm -hmm. were ready for bed. And because of that alarm, they actually called 911, got us over there. We confirmed the presence of it and they were transported to hospital for treatment. So, uh, you know, alarms really do make a difference. You know, the, the newspaper, uh, the social media really focuses on, uh, you know, the emergency response, the number of fires, the flames through the roof, you know, kind of those, those sound bites, if you will. But, you know, there are a lot of great success stories to, you know, these very low cost alarm devices making a significant benefit to the, you know, health and well-being of our citizens. Wow. Well, I mean, you can replace a structure, but it's uh, not quite the same if you try to replace a life. So, well you know, said. hearing that, hearing you know the story of that family, right? They they were able to get out, and yes, property damage, and and that's awful, and nobody wants to have to to worry about that or be displaced. But um, you know, I think you know the alternative. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll figure out you know 
where I'm going to go lay my head that night because I'm still going to be able to do it with my entire family. So, yeah, it's nice to hear those stories because you're right. Sometimes, you know, the photos with the big flames and and those kinds of things that, yeah, that they're, they're captivating because we don't often see them. Right. Or, you know, if we have a, a, a fire in our backyard in our fire pit, which maybe we'll discuss in a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, we, or, or when we're out camping, you know. You know, fire is kind of one of those things. People are drawn to it, right? And, um, you know, even with kids, right, teaching them that, you know, this, you know, A, it's hot, you know, don't touch it. But also, you know, there, there's fire has great power and it can be unpredictable and, and all those things. So, um, yeah, the, the good news, it's nice to hear. So thanks for uh, thanks for sharing those stories. And just, I mean, that good news goes hand in hand with how actually easy it is to be safe. It's cost effective. You a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of maintenance. And for up to 10 years, you know, you've got something, you've got a tool that will, will keep you and your family safe. That's, there's comfort there. Um, I mean, if we step away from some of the, the best safety practices you have, Welland Fire is undergoing a lot of change right now. Anywhere you look in Welland that has the, the Welland Fire logo, it seems that there is, uh, there are great things in store. So we've got new equipment, we've got new stations, there are new recruits. What can you tell everyone listening today about what is in store for Welland Fire? Uh, Welland Fire is uh, very well supported, very well respected, and we're very grateful for all of the positive investments and support that we've gotten both from our elected officials, senior staff, and our citizens. It's an incredible time to be part of the department. Uh, we're very excited. We've, uh, you know, we've had our challenges over the years. The cost of service delivery has certainly pressured the municipality, uh, and we're just grateful that you know that we were able to make these investments. Uh, some of the, you know, day to day work hours, if you will, for the firefighters uh, will be increased exponentially. The the joy of the job, the health and safety standards will improve, uh, as well as, you know, our service delivery will improve. We'll find efficiencies, the, you know, reduction in uh, travel times and response times. It, it's just, you know, overall really exciting. Uh, the community has a lot of growth. There's a lot uh, happening there and the department needs to remain positioned to match that, you know, kind of parallel that growth. And, you know, any Anytime you look through these organizational changes that we are, they're significant and, you know, staff, you know, ultimately bear the impact of that, you know, the turbulence of change. Uh, but our teams are really well positioned, really positive about it. And they're actually grateful for the, the turbulence they're experiencing. You know, it's it's a bit of a wild ride. And, yeah, it's a fast pace, uh, but it's also, you know, that's the nature of the work, too. The, you know, our, our people are well positioned uh, uh, to respond to changing environments and, uh, you know, that showing up to work one day and you have an expectation and it, it plays out a little different. So, you know, this is just a little larger scale and, uh, and, and in, a, in a sense where uh, it sets us forward for growth and for uh, modernization in many areas, which a lot of our people are really embracing. We have a very high performing team, uh, very proud of them. Uh, they're, they're incredible people, you know, committed professionals and to be able to add more investment back into them so they can continue to, you know, that path of excellence is, uh, you know, it's just a, a I feel very fortunate to be the fire chief at a time uh, the department is where it is. So with all of that, I mean, there's, uh, you know, people think, okay, that's great. We've got, you know, some, some newer equipment, some more recruits. Like you said, a great group of professionals out there. If there's a fire in the city, we know the, the team that that's going out to, to help battle those blazes and, and uh, keep people safe and all that good stuff. But you do more than just fight fires. Firefighters are more than just firefighters. <laughs> Is there anything in particular you think would surprise people uh, if they found out like, oh, 
I didn't, I didn't know the fire department did that or, <laughs> oh, they're involved in that. It's, is there anything, uh, anything there that you can share with us that are maybe a little bit surprising or you might not think of? Yeah. So that's a fun question. We are an all hazards service provider. So anytime life property or the environment is at risk, we could be called. You know, that's an emergency response. That could be a variety of, you know, it could be a short term duration, could be longer term. Um, we get called for, do you still help cats and trees? <laughs> um, I'll tell you that normally we decline because often the cats come down when we get there. <laughs> and sometimes we scare them more with the loud trucks and all the commotion. And, you know, and that kind of concerns us a little bit too. Um, but the other day, you know, we responded to a dog on a roof of a home downtown. Uh, the dormer window was open, you know, a little ventilation, spring air in. And I think the dog, uh, you know, got a snout in there and found himself out <laughs> on the hot shingle roof. And uh, he was more than happy to jump in the aerial basket <laughs> and, uh, and be lowered down to the ground and, uh, and explain to his, uh, his owners why, uh, <laughs> why he got a fire truck ride that day. So, yeah, there, there's a variety of those uh, experiences, uh, you know, calls. Uh, you know, we're there to help. And, and the reality is, you know, we're humble civil servants. Uh, you know, we have limitations and expectations on us. You know, we are a workplace, so there are some, you know, occupational health and safety restrictions. You know, we can't just uh, be out there carelessly doing what we do, but uh, we have a good team, well-equipped, uh, and, and we're going to do the best we can uh, whenever we're called to come out and help. So you make, a, uh, I think, an excellent point, right? It's not just fires. It's all emergencies and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so earlier in May, we had Emergency Preparedness Week, uh, which uh, is Basically, exactly what it sounds like, right? Getting prepared for an emergency, uh, thinking about what uh, what things you might need to have on hand in your home, what kind of preparations you can make in the event of a flood, a tornado, um, whatever that emergency might be. What are some things that you can share with people uh, to kind of drive home that point of how important preparation is? Hopefully, we never need it, but if we do... For those who are prepared versus those who are unprepared, how important is kind of having that plan? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you should kind of look at it uh, with the recent eyes of the uh, you know the pandemic supply chain impacts, and think to yourself, what can I live without, and what do I need for the next seventy two hours? Some of that will be medication, food, drinking water, toilet other paper, toilet paper. <laughs> we saw that shortage, the mad dash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So even when you think about those things, uh, you know, and then think about what the cost is. You know, you, you don't necessarily want preparedness to be a, a burden to the household, and you know, you've turned the uh, the family rec room into a warehouse or a cache of, <laughs> uh, and maybe you do, and and I can support that too. I think uh, I understand why you might think that way, but I think for every household uh, looks to you know care for themselves for those couple days as well as their uh, their pets uh, you know when we talk about uh, displacing people in you know in a situation an emergency or disaster situation uh, you know it presents other challenges for us, uh, you know, on the response side to try and accommodate or move the pets or care for them. Uh, the medications uh, backlogs in hospitals can you know be um, accented by uh, those types of uh, medication interruptions and stuff. So, I mean, I, I think that really you need to do a, a quick inventory of, you know, what's most critical to you, have the couple days of food supplies. And, you know, the other one, I think, you know, uh, the human side of it is have a way to communicate with others 
and have a way to entertain your family. You know, uh, put the playing cards in there, put the board games in there, have the, have the lantern so you can, you know, have a little bit of light and, and, you know, kind of push the couch out of the way and set up shop in the living room floor and wait for the, you know, the power to be restored or whatnot. And, and I think if you practice that on those short, uh, duration incidents and, uh, you know, find a balance of getting outside and getting active safely when you can and, and, you know, entertaining one another and spending some time together. I think, uh, you know, that adds to our resiliency as well as uh, how we feel about what we're experiencing at the time. And, you know, th- that offers a lot of supports to our loved ones and our friends and neighbors too. If we're talking about getting outside family, friends, neighbors, um, as one of us said before, it's getting into backyard fire season and, I mean, this is the perfect weather to do it. Nights are getting longer. It's mild. Um, why wouldn't you want to spend summer that way? But it's fire. You are our fire chief. What is the safe way that people can can entertain outdoors with fire, with all things, all things burning this summer? <laughs> Great segue. Uh, thank you for that. So the city has a uh, bylaw that permits open air burning, or if you will, campfires across the uh, across the municipality it does require it to be in a enclosed device with a proper grate over it at all times you want uh, a competent adult uh, you know to be in attendance an extinguishing device like a bucket of water a garden hose you need to be away from the combustibles and, and you know just generally use some good decision making on on how big the fire is we want good, clean wood. Uh, you don't want to create a lot of smoke. You certainly shouldn't be burning anything with paints or any, you know, uh, construction materials or otherwise. Uh, and then, you know, really from the human side and the neighborly piece, the open air burning is a nice opportunity to get together with one another. It's afforded to us by bylaw, approved by our elected officials, our mayor and council. And, and I do ask that all of our listeners, uh, you know, respect that and respect our neighbors. Uh, just because we're entitled uh, or we're permitted to do it doesn't mean that it's necessarily convenient to the neighbors. So we do ask that, you know, you be respectful, uh, especially this time of year with the neighbor's windows open. Uh, you know, that smell travels a long way and stuff. So, you know, try and be a good neighbor about it and, uh, you know, be receptive to the feedback from the neighbors. Uh, you never know what they're experiencing at home or how that smoke is actually collecting in their building or on their property. So, you know, be respectful to one another, uh, you know, use good, safe practices while you're uh, operating your campfire or, or pardon me, your open air fire. And uh, when you're done with it, extinguish it. Are there any, so this is different across all of Niagara. Each municipality has, has some different, uh, some different rules and bylaws. Some maybe require permits, others don't. By the sounds of it, City of Welland does not require a permit to have an open air fire in your backyard. Correct. So we do have uh, bil- uh, burn permits that we uh, issue in the rural areas, and those are like what we call agricultural burns. So, you know, people clearing brush rows and have, mm-hmm. you know, larger fires, and they require a site visit and safety plan permit, and there's some cost recovery fees associated with that. But no, for the average homeowner, now keep in mind, if you're a tenant, you need written permission from the property owner to host a fire on the property. So that's something that if, uh, you know, we're called to come investigate uh, or what we call a burning complaint, an open air burning complaint, uh, there's no call, uh, no cost to the caller. Uh, it's anonymous. We'd arrive and uh, we, you know, we'd assess what's happening and, you know, look through the uh, the bylaw and make sure they're compliant and safe. Uh, but there may be some fees or charges uh, depending on, um, you know, whether you're compliant with that bylaw or not. So the onus really is on the person who's hosting the fire to be, uh, you know, uh, compliant with the bylaw, fire safe, as well as uh, respectful, because the nuisance of smoke is also named in the bylaw. 
Right. And, and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult for neighbors, especially maybe if they don't know each other too well or they're apprehensive of creating uh, what could be perceived as confrontation. So would you recommend, though, that neighbor to neighbor, you kind of maybe say, hey, you know, your fire is is impacting my, uh, you know, my property or my ability to be outside before calling the fire departments? Or, you know, how would you suggest, you know, people approach that piece? Because, again, we're in the season, you don't want to have 30, 40 calls a night of, you know, hey, my neighbor's got a fire going, I don't like it, come check it out. Right. So how, how, what would you recommend for, for the general public kind of on that area? So our bylaw has been longstanding for a while. Most of the community knows what's permissible and not. Uh, I would encourage, uh, you know, neighbor, neighborly relations. Anytime, uh, you know, there's conflict between uh, neighbors, it's not positive for anyone. Right. So the more we can do to get along and support one another, you know, there, there's enough stresses out in, in the real world that, you know, you don't want that stuff following you at home. Uh, we certainly don't want to show up and aggravate it. We don't want to be between neighborly disputes. Uh, you know, I encourage all of us uh, you know, to get along. You know, we're, we're in a great community. We have a lot to be very proud of and a lot to be very grateful for. Uh, I ask that our citizens think the same way. You know, can you still have fun uh, sitting around and extending? Distinguished, uh, you know, campfire and enjoy a beverage with your your guests, uh, you know, knowing that you did your neighbor a favor by extinguishing the fire and you were considerate and respectful. And who knows, maybe in the winter season when they're firing up that new snowblower, maybe there's uh, a little repay <laughs> there. So I, I encourage that neighborly relation in, in our community. That's one of the things that you know make us Wellanders uh, proud to be Wellanders is is that sense of community. So I, I strongly encourage that as opposed to looking for enforcement. So instead, or amongst all of the essential services you provide, being referee is not one of them. It's not your default. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, the open air burning uh, stands on its own merits. Uh, it, it is regulated by the chief fire official or the fire chief of the, of the community, which ultimately has been decided by bylaw. So, you know, from the other side of it, uh, the fire department provides a lot of other services, uh, chasing around open air complaints and neighbor disputes, uh, you know, is, is not the best use of our time and certainly does, you know, have a tax or a burden on the, uh, on the services. But ultimately that's the ratepayers who fund us. So, you know, when you, you think about it that way, it's, it's every one of our own uh, resources being utilized inefficiently. So. So chief Eckhart, it is that time in the show. Pineapple on your pizza, yes or no? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I, I think uh, anything you want to put on a pizza has a home there. Anything, okay. Anything. Interesting. Right. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm delivering a pizza to the fire station. You're going to get some interesting ingredients. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, willing reaction. To, I'm willing to wager that that pizza will disappear at the fire hall. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Well, Fire Chief Ackhart, thank you so much for joining us. Um, whether it's yourself, one of the fire prevention officers, um, we'll certainly have uh, you or members of your team back on the show to talk about fire safety uh, throughout the year. Um, it's not just during emergency preparedness week or fire safety week or anything like that. It's uh, it's a year round thing. So uh, thanks again. And um, yeah, we'll see you the next time we have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right. We're going to bridge the gap now for our conversation with fire chief Adam Eckhart. And I just want to reiterate what he said almost kind of right out of the gates. Smoke and CO alarms save lives. It's as simple as that. Uh, if you don't have them, get them. If you're not sure if they're working, test them. And if you have questions about them, 
call the fire department and they can walk you through. Uh, because again, uh, as that first line of defense, that can be the difference between uh, life and death. Um, it's just get them. They save lives again, <laughs> as simple as that. And I liked how succinct the chief was in, in stating that uh, of all people who would know, uh, that's the guy. And, uh, you know, I took that to heart. How about you, Paul? Um, I certainly took that to heart and especially the, um, the fact that he and his crew are quick to react to whatever situations come up. They can speak to successes when smart choices are made and they can get there in time because of families getting out, because of alarms, because of the tools that are in place. Um, the amount that they do for the community is what surprised me the most. I, I know that they are firefighters. That is something that they address, but uh, the other community pieces that they that they serve are it's it's great to know we've got people who are there for us in times of need and cheer, cheers to chief Eckhart and the people who report with him. So thank you everyone for joining us on today's episode. You can look forward to another Well and Fire episode in the coming months. But until then, check us out on engagewelland.com ca slash podcast and stay tuned for next week. Bye.